Pastor Ed Taylor on the keeping power of God. Aren't you glad that when you stumble that you're kept by the power of God? You're not kept by your own good works. You're not kept because you're a good little Christian. You're not kept because you have a nice attendance record at Calvary Chapel in Aurora. I'm grateful for the keeping power of God, especially when I go to sleep. Who's going to keep me while I'm asleep? When I'm not looking out for my life at all? Who's going to watch my back when I can't see behind me? The Bible says that God keeps me. This is amazing grace. It's time for Abounding Grace. Glad to have you on board as we continue our series in John's Gospel. We're spending some extra time in the 17th chapter where King Jesus prays. Now, on the heels of some bad decisions and sin that we're ashamed of, questions like, am I really saved, can come rolling into our minds. But today, Pastor Ed Taylor says, we're not kept by our own good works, but rather by the power of God. And knowing that, can really boost our confidence in our salvation. So back in John 17, in this particular prayer, Jesus isn't praying for the world, but he came to die for the world, the greatest gift. You and I as his followers, now we pray for the world, and he prays for us. So good, so wonderful. Verse 10 now. One more thing before we head out. He says in his prayer, all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I'm glorified in them. Now, I'm no longer in the world, but those, these that are in the world, and I come to you, Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me, I kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition. His name is what? Say louder. Judas, the son of perdition. He's referring to a very particular person, Judas, the son of destruction or the son of death, that the scriptures might be fulfilled and I'll come back to him before we leave. But now, verse 13, I come to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. A lot to unpack here, but I only want to draw out one thing. You know, one of the things I see here is that beautiful unity that God wants in his church. His desire is for us to be unified in Christ through the power of his Holy Spirit. It's very important. But instead, I want you to see the three different times that Jesus uses the same word. He uses the word keep, kept, and kept. And I want us to be encouraged today by the keeping power of God. The keeping power. That is a key relationship between Jesus and his disciples. It's a key part of the relationship between you and me and Jesus Christ. And that is that he keeps us and none are lost. God's people, Jesus says, you and I are the Father's gift to the Son. He he speaks of us being given to Jesus, which what that means is we belong to him. He owns us. We are his prized possession. We've been purchased, the Bible says in another place, by the blood of Jesus Christ. We've been purchased by that blood. We belong to him. 
And it reminds me that it's a lasting, permanent gift where you and I are kept by him. We're kept and not thrown away when we make a mistake. We are kept and not just discarded when we step into sin. We are kept and not lost when we wander away and stray. The Bible actually describes us in Isaiah 43 as precious in the sight of God. We are precious in his sight. And how the Lord watches over us, how God seeks our best, how God seeks our good, how Jesus prays for us, how his power keeps us. Because I'll tell you what, if there's one thing among many things that we all share today, it's our weaknesses. We're really not as strong as we think we are. We're really not as as strong as we think we are spiritually, as far as God might have brought us, as much of the Bible that might be in us, as much of the service that might be coming from us. We're not as strong as we think we are. Circumstances in life and temptation. You know, temptation is very strong. And temptations are, are uniquely specific to you and me. They're uniquely specific. That's why we can't be in judgment on anyone when we hear somebody fall and we go, oh man, I can't believe he did that because I would never have done that. Perhaps that's true, but you got to understand that temptation was for that brother. And your temptation, it's coming. And you don't want to be prideful as you're judging another brother. As a matter of fact, the Bible says when you see a brother fall, that you're to go along and help that brother back up. It actually says in the end of Galatians to restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. And the idea of that word restore, the original language is like a doctor resetting a broken bone, putting it together carefully and gently. You know, at just the, any, at, at, the, at the right time, or you could say the wrong time and the right temptation, any one of us are out. And so we can't think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. And, and here we are as we think of our weaknesses. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says, James says, we all stumble in many things. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. Oh, really? It's true. Amen. That's the testimony of our lives. In this case, it's all about our tongues. <laughs> like if any of you go, well, you know, I didn't say amen, man, because that doesn't apply to me. Okay, let me read it another way. There are some among us that never stumble. Can I get an amen to that? Good. Good, because Saturday night we got a few, and we had to follow them home to watch. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. If it was just our mouths, we'd be in big trouble. But it's so much else on our lives, isn't it? Maybe you've got your mouth in control, but it's your head. Maybe it's not your head or your mouth, but it's your hands. You're still very angry, and you pound the desk or... Maybe it's just wandering with the eyes. And maybe it's the internal pride. The Bible says that there's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life that plague us all. We all stumble. Aren't you glad that when you stumble that you're kept by the power of God? You're not kept by your own good works. You're not kept because you're a good little Christian. You're not kept because you have a nice attendance record at Calvary Chapel in Aurora. You're not kept because you have a prayer life that's more this year than it was last year. You're not kept because here we are on day, what's today's date? The 15th? 15 days you have read the Bible in a row. Woohoo! That's a great thing. That's wonderful. I hope you make it 365. 
But if on day 62 you wake up sick, sick and you forget to pray, you're not kept because you read 61 days in a row. I'm grateful for the keeping power of God, especially when I go to sleep. Who's going to keep me while I'm asleep? When I'm not looking out for my life at all? Who's going to watch my back when I can't see behind me? The Bible says that God keeps me. That Jesus tells, as he's praying, you know how encouraging it must have been for the disciples to hear this? That we're okay, guys, because Jesus is keeping us. And when he leaves, don't forget the context. We just spent many weeks looking at the context and where this all is. This prayer ends a long teaching of Jesus preparing them for his departure. And he says, I'm leaving, but Father, you keep them. In Jude chapter 1, there's only one chapter in verse 24. Jude writes, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Turn over to 1 Peter, would you? All the way in the back, 1 Peter chapter 1. Peter writes on this topic, and I want to end with his encouragement. Peter writes on this topic, and he would know, and he would brag on the great security that you and I have in our salvation, that we are born again to an incorruptible seed. We are born again into the keeping power of God. We are born again, not to be born again again. You won't find that anywhere in Scripture. I read of the glorious truth that a man and a woman must be born again in order to enter into the kingdom of God. But I never read that a man must be born again again after he's unborn again and then be born again again and then he's unborn again 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 and then he has to be born. There's nothing like that in the scriptures. But all over the Bible is the power of God to keep you, to preserve you, to keep you from stumbling, to protect you. All over the Bible is the power of God and the love of God. It's not this pattern of having my salvation, losing my salvation. Having my salvation, losing my salvation. Listen, if you're born again, you are kept by the power of God. The real question is, are you born again? (laughs) That's the real question. And that's where self-deception comes in. Because if you think here that you just raise your hand and go, I want to be saved. And you go out and live like the devil, that that represents a true believer, that I'm concerned for you. Or that you were raised in a godly home, so you must be saved. I'm concerned for you. Or I've been in church my whole life, and, and, I, and I love God. I don't have anything against him, but your life, you know. Paul would write to the Corinthians, and he would say this. He wrote to a church just like this. He could write it to our church. Don't you guys be deceived. And he lists a whole bunch of sins. He says, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And I think the deception is, is that you can practice sin and think you're okay with the Lord. Now, I have to do, I do want to say that the Bible speaks of believers that backslide, stumble, for sure. I think the greatest example of that is when Jesus teaches us about the prodigal son, which, by the way, is an unfortunate title for that parable. Because really, if you're going to title it the prodigal son, you actually have to title it the prodigal sons, because that dad had two problems, not one. But really, the prodigal is not about the sons at all. It should be the prodigal of a loving, gracious father, because that's where the focus is on the kingdom parables, on God. But we have the prodigal son who comes to his dad and takes his inheritance early, which was the equivalent of saying to his dad, I wish you were dead because I want what's mine that I couldn't get otherwise unless you weren't alive. But dad being gracious gives him his inheritance and the young boy is smitten with city life. And he's just done with, with life at home and he's, he's not satisfied with dad and he doesn't like it there and he just thinks, you know, if I had some money and I went to the city, life would be much better. And the word prodigal literally means wasted 
or wasteful life. And that's what he did. He wasted his dad's money and he wasted this season of his life. And, and you know, he was surrounded by the friends that he thought he would get. And he got to party and he got to enjoy the nightlife. And yeah, you can get drunk and have fun and sleep all day and party all night until the consequences caught up with him. Because there's always consequence to sin. What a man soweth, that he will also reapeth, the old King James says. And money ran out. And guess what else, he ha- what, what else he found out when the money ran out? His friends weren't actually friends after all. And there he is alone, wrestling with life. I see him as a young man, you know, that I, I see this young man, we're not given the age, but I see him like, you know, that transition from high school into young adult, college years trying to find out who they are and try a young man wanting to know their identity. Listen, if you're a young man here today and you have a relationship with Jesus Christ and a young woman, your, your relationship with Jesus Christ defines your identity. You're a son of God, a daughter of God. There's no identity out there that will satisfy you. And you will come to the same end as this kid did. You'll lose it all. And then you'll think, should I go home? No, I don't think I can go home. And not only did he lose all his money, but there was a a famine in the land. We don't know much about famine in our society, but consider this. There was a food shortage, which had great economic impact on everyone. It wasn't just not having food, but if they didn't have food, that means the farmers weren't producing. And the farmers weren't producing, that means money wasn't flowing. And if money wasn't flowing, then there was a lot of people hurting. And, And this wasn't just a lack of food where he was hungry, although he was, it was an economic downturn for the entire society. God allowed that in the midst of his prodigal living. So he doesn't decide to go home. He decides to get a job and he finds a job that would be the equivalent today of under minimum wage. He got, he got a job that was less than minimum wage. Not only that, but it was against his convictions his religious convictions. Many, much like people I see today, young people today, it's, it's a very sad thing, but I have to tell you that some of the empty chairs in the sanctuary today represent people that have gone back into the world. They're no longer worshiping. It's not that they're in another church, and it's not that they moved to another part of the country. It's they're still in our city, but they're living a prodigal life. They're living for themselves and not for the things of God. And they have this semblance of satisfaction, but the consequences are catching up, and they're catching up. And here's this kid consequences are catching up and he lands this job that are against his religious convictions. Why? Because when you take one step of compromise, it makes every other step of compromise much easier. So what was his job? Feeding the pigs. No righteous Jewish boy or girl would ever get near swine. It was unclean. And yet God allowed it as he was there feeding the pigs and he was assessing his life and wondering what happened This isn't what I thought was going to happen. This is not where I thought I'd end up. That the Bible says that he was so hungry that he was willing to eat that which he was feeding the pigs. And you know what they feed pigs, right? Nasty. Worse than Brussels sprouts. (laughs) They call it slop. And it's all the leftovers of everything mixed up together and just... To be hungry for that, you've got to be far from your father. But it was in that hunger pain, one of his last hunger pains, that he says, you know, I think I'll go home. This isn't for me. I'm going home. But I don't know if I can go home because I left my dad. 
And I hurt him so bad. You know, I'll go home as a hired hand. They got it better than I do. I'll just go serve my dad. I'll just serve him. I don't want to be a son anymore. I don't deserve to be a son anymore. I'll just be one of his servants. And he goes home. And those of you that are familiar, you know. This is a long paraphrase, by the way, of this parable. But you know that as soon as dad saw him afar, he dropped everything and ran to his boy. And of all the lessons that we learn of this beautiful parable, this one is of most significance. The son left home, did his own thing, in great rebellion and difficulty, but one thing the son never stopped being, he never stopped being a son. So too for the true person, that, the person that is truly born again. The person that's truly born again doesn't lose their sonship or their daughtership or their relationship because of bad decisions. And I would just say, if you're a prodigal, it's time to come home. The father is ready for you. He's ready to run to you, embrace you. He's ready to receive you back and help heal up the wounds that you have placed upon yourself. If you're saved, you're secure. You're secure by the power of God. The seed, according to Peter, is imperishable. Eternal life is just that, eternal life. But what about, Pastor Ed, come back in John 17 now, what about that son of perdition? What about him? Well, he's shared to us in contrast to the true believer. He's used in this time of prayer with the Father in contrast to the true believer. If we're born again, we are secure in Christ. We have an imperishable new life. It's wonderful. We need to know that even when we're going through trials and difficulties and stumbling and falling, that Jesus reminds us that we're kept by his power. But what about Judas? Well, Judas is a great example of a make-believer. Judas is a great example of a make-believer. There are true believers and there are make-believers. The deceived. How do I know Judas was not a believer? Because the devil entered him. The devil entered him. His own works and fruit demonstrate that he left to never return. And that's what's scary about prodigal living. You think you're a believer. You think you're in. You hear a study like this, it might even embolden you. Well, you know, if God's going to keep me, then I'll just go take my chances. No, you misunderstand. That's not the heart of God at all. Grace, and Peter would say in another place, is not a cloak for sin. No, we don't avoid it as possible. But here's the thing. You may go into prodigal living and never come back. Why? Because that's where you'll find out you're not a true believer. And you say, Ed, is that even possible? Listen, jot it down. I'll read it to you. 1 John chapter 2, verse 19. John says, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For they have, if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were with us. Judas did not lose his salvation because he didn't lose something that he didn't have to begin with. He is a man that serves as an example of an unbeliever who pretended to have a relationship with Jesus Christ but finally was exposed as a fake and a fraud. Jesus is praying that way for us. And I personally rest upon the keeping power of God in my life. I personally rest on the power of God that's beyond my ability. I can't keep myself, and neither can you. Jesus is proclaimed to be the author and the finisher of our faith. 
He's proclaimed to be the Alpha and the Omega. And some of you have always wondered, what does that mean, Ed? Alpha is the first letter in the Greek alphabet. Omega is the last. It would be the equivalent of us saying that Jesus is the A to the Z in our lives. Salvation starts with him. Salvation is only from him. Salvation is kept by him. And it's reserved in heaven for us in the presence of Jesus Christ. And I have the privilege of joining together with our church family week after week, reminding us of the great love of God. How he loves you and me so much that he, as a father, will run to welcome you back. He'll passionately pursue you through the work of the Holy Spirit inside of you. And if, if it is that need for you to be welcomed back, please come. Please respond. Don't, don't be fooled into thinking that you're saved when you're really not. If you really have that true question, then, then ask so we can walk you through some of the places in the Bible that will reveal to you what true salvation looks like. What a real believer that perseveres with the saints looks like. But the joy of praying and the joy of hearing and the joy of being prayed for is something that I'm grateful. And you're here today and I'm here today. Why and how? Because we're kept by the power of God through his love for us. Count out, run it, can't run away from it. Jesus is with us in the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? Pastor Ed Taylor is developing his study of John's gospel right now on Abounding Grace. Thanks for taking part in today's Bible study. To hear it again, visit our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com, or you can hear us through our app and podcast. Our pick of the month is 5-Minute Apologetics for Today by Ron Rhodes. As Christians, we sometimes encounter objections about the Bible, and maybe you're left wondering how to answer them, or where do you look? Well, this wonderful book offers you 365 quick answers to key questions. I think you'll find it super helpful the next time you come across a question where you're not sure how to answer, and we'll gladly send you a copy when you support Abounding Grace today with a gift of $25 or more. Just pick up the phone right now and call 877-30-GRACE. Again, that's 877-30-GRACE. And we want this radio ministry to be the sort of ministry that God uses. That's our prayer and our heart's desire. And if you'd like to get behind what we're doing and offer a one-time gift or ongoing support, we'd sure appreciate it. This would be a wonderful time to hear from you. You can donate to the ministry at AboundingGraceRadio.com or, again, call 877-30-GRACE. Pastor Ed, as you were speaking about the keeping power of God today, I was thinking of the person who's wondering if they can lose their salvation. Maybe they've blown it lately and they're ashamed and fearful now. What would you speak to that person as we close? Yeah, you know, Larry, this is a familiar, uh, regular question that we get on our live radio program here on our radio station in Colorado, Grace FM. And the, the fear is real and the concern is real. But the good news is, is that we are kept by the power of God. What God has started in our life, he's faithful to complete it. And so then the question is, well, then does that mean I can just sin? No, it doesn't mean that at all. Um, Paul made that very clear. The Bible makes it very clear. The blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed us from all our sins. It ha- doesn't give us permission to sin. 
well, then, Ed, what about when I do sin? Or what about, as you were sharing, Larry, you know, what about when I'm, I failed or I'm dealing with shame or fear of my relationship with the Lord? Well, Jesus said to remember from where you have fallen, to repent. That's why God gives us, and he's telling that to a church, by the way, so a church, believers repent all the time because we're not perfect. We're not going to be perfect until we see Jesus face to face in eternity. He says, remember from where you were fallen, this is Revelation chapter 2, repent and then return and go back and repeat the first works. And so if you need help on this topic, you can send me a note to my email, pastored at calvaryco.church, CO stands for Colorado, pastored at calvaryco.church, and just ask for the information on the assurance of your salvation, and I'd love to send it to you. I want you to be assured of your salvation. So reach out to me. I'd love to encourage you. Run to the Lord, no matter how you're feeling, and he will be faithful to encourage you and lead you in the right way. Thanks for those words of encouragement, Pastor Ed. I'm sure someone needed to hear that. Join us each day on Abounding Grace as we go and grow through a study in John with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.